Hello, my name is Yujiro Seki. I'm a director, writer, and the producer of the documentary Carving the Divine Buddhist Sculptors of Japan. I'm almost ready to release Carving the Divine. Uh, I'm very excited. Uh, but today, I have uh, some special person who already watched Carving the Divine. I would love to introduce to you uh, Reverend Mioke Kane Burnett. Welcome. Thank you for welcoming me. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. I know you're a super busy person and uh, you, you took a time for us. So uh, yeah, but you know, um, everybody knows about you. Uh, but in case people, uh, for the people who don't know anything about you, please introduce yourself and also tell us a little bit about the Nichiren Shu. Um, I'm a resident priest at Myokinji Temple in Houston, Texas and also the uh, Bishop of the Nichiren Shu Order of North America. And Nichiren Shu is the more traditional school of the Nichiren schools. Some of, uh, there are about 36 different schools of uh, Nichiren Buddhism. Some are lay organizations, some are very traditional priest-headed organizations. Uh, Nichiren Shu today is probably the most diverse in the sense that it's an umbrella as well as its own organization, but um, many of the lay organizations are affiliated or in partnership in the sense that they're willing to work together uh, as different organizations and cooperate with each other. Nice, nice. So what is the core teaching of Nichiren Shu? That um, each of us is a potential Buddha, and that can be achieved by chanting Namu Myoho Denge Kyo, and that our journey in life is to always go for the internal journey as well as the what's happening in the external, that we are connected and related that way. Uh, so what we do for ourselves in terms of trying to lead a better life or developing our lives has a tremendous impact on the world around us. And so it's important that we understand that and constantly work to improve ourselves. Wonderful. What an eloquent person you are. So <laughs> great. So uh, yeah, Nichiren Shu focuses on Lotus Sutra, as, yes. uh, as you said. So why is that? There are many different paths, path, but you know, uh, Nichiren Shu chooses uh, Lotus Sutra. Uh, why? Our founder uh, determined that the highest teaching was contained in the Lotus Sutra, that Namu Myoho Denge Kyo was the key. And it was something very simple, very easy that could be used by all beings. And um, it was for all people, that there was no distinguishing one from the other, that all are equal, that he viewed people according to their ability and their capacity, but no one was denied access simply because of who they were, 
what they were, anything like that, that he doesn't judge people. And um, all were welcome, all were accepted. Mm. All means that you don't need to be priest. No. Like a monk no. or anything like that. No, no. Oh. Mm. Everybody. Yes. All mm. living beings, essentially. Mm. Wonderful. So thank you so much for this introduction. So uh, yes, you've watched Carving the Divine. Uh, what, what was your first impression? I think it was something that is so needed because most of us don't know a whole lot about uh, the statues and how you carve them, you know, and how what's required of a person who does that kind of work. Um, I think we're all impacted by it. I know that when I'm looking at something, a statue that I want to use on my altar or just have in my home, that I'm very much attracted to the face and the body, how something comes from that, uh, that kind of energy or spirit that's reflected uh, from the person who carved it. You know, sometimes you'll see a wooden statue and it doesn't look like um, there was much intention in making it uh, the face peaceful or um, there's a quality I can't quite describe, but I know it when I see it because I'm always looking at a statue and its face. You know, what does a face convey? How does it make me feel when I'm looking at this statue? And so I, I really got a better understanding of that um, because the people who are learning to carve and working with their masters, you know, as apprentices um, go through the same kind of training and uh, strictness that I think even all of us priests go through um, because it's rigorous and, you know, the teachers are not going to be running around saying, oh, that's a great job. You know, they're always correcting and working on you to improve and to really get into what you're doing. And so when I watched that part of it in particular, it reminded me so much of when I was in training to become a priest and how rigorous, how strict it was and understanding afterwards that the strictness is so important to you keeping on the path in such a way that uh, you always try to do your best no matter what and I saw that reflected in how these apprentices were with their masters learning how to do things that yes it was pretty good but you could do better so that you always know you can do better not that you were not good enough but they knew that you had something better to uh, give out, to accomplish. Mm. It's beautiful in showing that, I think. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. So uh, we talk about the cultural appropriation in the past. And uh, yeah. you know, Carving the Divine is, uh, of course, made by myself, Yujiro Seki, but you know, I am a Japanese person. And uh, it's a Japanese person's perspective. and. Uh, and often when I see a documentaries uh, about Japan made by uh, people from different countries, 
I know they have a best intention to make something beautiful, but at the same time, you know, often they fail to recognize the complexity of Japanese culture and all, not taking enough time to get to know people uh, and try to make something uh, very superficial. But it, it seems like a Japanese people often, they don't have a capacity to make a, a documentary and uh, show it around the world. Uh, so we won't be able to represent ourselves uh, uh, as much as uh, we should. So what do you think like uh, uh, about this, like uh, making a documentary about Japan by Japanese people, that's a pretty bad idea? No, I think it's a great idea. However, I, I think that the exposure that you've had to different cultures by living among Americans and, you know, being in this country and knowing a bunch of Americans has allowed you also to have the wisdom to see the way that we see things. So you're able to get inside of that. And a lot of people don't really understand that, you know, that the culture that we have is different, that uh, as a Japanese person, you're going to look at it one way. And as an American, I might look at it another way, even though, you know, I did grow up in a Japanese environment uh, when I was young. But I can also see the difference uh, that how a Japanese person looks at something is quite different from how an American does, uh, someone from the West. So the, the finer points of culture, I think, always have to be engaged. And so there's, a, I think there's a, a beauty and a welcome in Japanese culture that you might not find in cultures in the West um, because of the, uh, perhaps it's, you know, a community orientation, you know, in Japanese culture that the needs of many outweigh the needs of one in a sense that you don't find that in the West so deeply. And so there's some differences that make it harder, I think, for us to understand each other sometimes. Mm, interesting. So what you're saying is uh, because I lived in the United States, so I was be able to like, uh, make something that could uh, please uh, Americans as well. That's what you're saying. <laughs> well, I. I to capture what is important for us to understand. You know, I look at, uh, I'm a big fan of Kurosawa movies, you know, and he was brilliant at capturing something that uh, you can't quite explain, but he captured the essence of people and the essence of uh, how people interact with each other so that we could see it and relate it to something we might know already. And so it's not uh, different. You know, it's like you could see it, you could feel it. Um, and especially in some of the classical movies that he made um, and how they captured the imagination so much because we could relate to it. Yeah. And yeah. No, I mean, some of, Go ahead, please. Some are, you know, like what the seven samurai um, uh, were made into, there's a Western version of it. It's not quite right. the same, right. but there's a Western version of it. 
So it captured something that people might not be able to say, oh, this is what it was, but it, it turned on something um, that people might not explain. I hope that makes sense. No, 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 no <laughs> thank you so much for the great uh, analogy. Uh, because, yes, Kurosawa's movie, even though this is a set in Japan, uh, people from any country, any culture can identify with and understand. That's why movie like Magnificent Seven uh, was made later. Yeah. Uh, it's adaptation. So, uh, yes, I try uh, to make this film uh, universal. Uh, anybody from any culture, uh, any right. ethnicity, any gender identity can understand. Even like a political uh, belief, it's uh, irrelevant. That's yes. what I'm really, uh, no, I don't want to say proud of, but I'm. Uh, this is a, a, the greatest accomplishment for me because uh, I don't want to make something for only Americans. I don't want to make something for only Japanese. And, uh, you know, I want to have uh, some universality. You know, we are right. all human uh, and I want to connect that. So thank you for seeing that, I appreciate it. Well, I think you really captured the, what we would call the spirituality of it. You know, that uh, we do these things um, in order to transcend and to be uplifted. And there's something very real about that spirit and the energy of some of the carvings that are truly wonderful. Um, and just watching some of them come alive, it was really fascinating. Uh, thank you so much for this. So, uh, yes, I know that uh, some of the Nichiren sects, they don't uh, appreciate or they don't utilize statues. But what what's the view for uh, Nichiren Shu that you are part of about the statues? We have a lot of statues. <laughs> One of my favorite is the uh, Kishimojin, uh, the queen of demons. You know, I mean, uh, in Japan, a lot of times you might see her as a very beautiful woman that she changed, mm -hmm. you know, that you can achieve awakening and change yourself. Mm -hmm. I like to have her looking like a demon because it also reminds me that as a, a demon queen, she did not have to become something else. She was still able to achieve awakening uh, just as she was not by becoming somebody else. And so all the different statues, I have so many, um, probably too many sometimes, but um, I'm always looking at their faces mm. just to feel what the energy is that was implanted in the statue. Oh, that, that's very interesting. I, I love uh, uh, what I love about uh, asking people about uh, the experience of carving the divine is uh, everybody tells me different things, completely yeah. different things that I cannot <laughs> even like, <laughs> imagine to start with. So, you know, I never heard of uh, people telling me, oh, I look at the faces. So I was like, oh, that's very interesting. Mm. Well, because some of the faces of, say, Nitran, for example, I've seen so many different statues and some of them he looks old, some of them he looks angry and some he looks mean, not happy. And it's like, I don't like that statue. <laughs> so, <laughs> I want the one that looks like very serene or he's teaching and engaged. Mm -hmm. um, 
but uh, I cannot always say they all have the same kind of energy because I some of like Kishimojin or even uh, Myoken Bosatsu, mm. uh, very fierce, very energetic uh, expression. So uh, I'm always thinking that that's the kind of uh, attitude I must have to be very energetic, to be very fierce about the path I'm following. Mm. Hey, so I know that there are, I don't want to, I don't want to, Class, classify it, but good priest, bad priest, you know, <laughs> <laughs> skillful priest, unskillful priest, somebody who is pretending to be priest or somebody who truly uh, trying to be the best that they can uh, priest, right? So uh, do you think uh, skills of the artist or intention of, of artist matter when it comes to making statues or machines they can do the same thing no i think it is it's the artist uh, who captures that essence that's something very important um i wish I, I knew how to describe it but it's very hard you know i look at all these different statues i have kanon and uh daikoku and uh different statues of the Buddha. And it's so critical that the face and just the whole body, that you feel the energy that the artist put into it. And sometimes um, even when you're just holding the statue, you almost feel that energy flowing through it. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. So do you do, 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 you do uh eye-opening ceremony sometimes? Yes, or? yes, always, always. Well, wonderful. So uh, do you have a special experience when you do it? I know with Kishimojin I did because when I saw the statue was right after I got out of uh, Shingyo Dojo when I was just immediately finally ordained. Mm. And I was walking around Minobu and I saw uh, the statue of Kishimojin, and I fell in love with the statue. I said, mm -hmm. I have to have that statue. But I, at that time, was not prepared. So I said, when I come back next year, if this statue is still there, it belongs to me. So when I came back the next year, it was still there. So I, I bought it and brought it home. <laughs> so Because I knew it belonged in my house. <laughs> mm -hmm. Beautiful. So there's some yeah. connection between statues and the people, uh, their favorite statues uh, that yes. they can identify with. That happens uh, all the time, too. So. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Wonderful. Wow. So I would love to see that in person one day. Yes. <laughs> Great. You will. Okay. <laughs> so uh, in essence, what can people learn from carving the divine? Uh that there is tremendous beauty and effort that goes into such uh, carving. You know, it's, it's not something you can just pick up and say, oh, I learned how to carve, you know, because the master, when he's teaching and looking at the work that's done is very meticulous about how things are done. And so I think that he is trying to break down a barrier inside a person that might interfere with 
being able to put his whole essence into the carving. You know, um, the young woman in the film, especially when he talked to her about how she carved certain things and what she didn't do um, and her absolute acceptance of what he told her uh, it also illustrates the trust that the student has in the master, that the master is really trying to bring out the essence of something there. Um, I think we don't know that tradition in the West, you know, working with a master and having the full trust to give your life over to someone so that you can master a trade or master an art form. And it's something I think that's very important to uh, take in. Wonderful. So, wow. Thank you so much for today. Uh, yeah. That was a really nice conversation. Uh, I truly appreciate it. Uh, so, uh, do you think people should watch Carving the Divine? Yes, I do. <laughs> because they'll learn something. It may take them some time to understand it. It's one of those things that you see happening and think, wow, that's incredible. And then later on, you start to understand the difference, uh, nuances, and you know the uh, hidden secrets in the stories. You know, the, because it is about spirituality. Uh, and you may think initially watching it is just about learning a trade, but you start to understand, I think, at least I felt um, that the spirituality of carving uh, is something that you can begin to understand. Wow, I, you know, I, I, I cannot believe you can see that deep. So I truly appreciate that, that <laughs> profound uh, insight because yes, you're right, you know, anybody can watch it because it doesn't need to be spirituality. But right. underneath there's a spirituality there and some people get it and some people don't. I think that one of my favorite parts was the carving of the face of um, one of the, uh, I think the opening, oh. with the, the big smile. Oh, Hudomio O, yes. Yes. Yes, yes. No, Hudomi Oh, no, Emma, 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 Emma. Dayo, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are so with many the, of them. I, I, I even get confused. Yes. yes. <laughs> with that big smile. Right, right. And how much energy was in that smile that you could just look at it and how much the uh, person that it was being done for really wanted the bigger smile. And so you could feel something from that. So, Reverend Myoke, I am trying to do a crowdfunding campaign uh, for distribution funds of Carving the Divine, because if I don't have a, these funds, I won't be able to show it to the people around the world. So what do you think of this? I think that's great. I think that more of us would be happy to contribute. Um, and it, it gets things done in a way that allows uh, people around the world to be a part of it. And so they don't want to keep it. They want to share it with everyone. And I think, you know, you have enough of uh, clips of what you've done 
that people will see it and want to see all of it and be happy to support it. Thank you so much for the kind word. Thank you so much. Sure.